Okay. So we'll just go 20 minutes. Uh, flip over to page three. I want to uh, quickly touch letter B at the top, and then um, I just want to share this key point out of uh, Roman numeral four, and then you can read the rest. Um, <clears throat> so I, the thing that I think people miss about God is they don't understand that God is emotional. We, um, we are made with emotions because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And so our problem is that we think being emotional equals instability. We say, oh, they're just emotional. Well, it's another way of saying they're unstable. <laughs> but God is deeply emotional. He feels emotions at the highest level. But here's God. All of his emotions are all brimming at level 10, and none of them contradicts one another. <coughs> In other words, and, and we, we don't have time for this today, but the concepts of love and the concepts of wrath, they actually burn from the same fire inside the emotions of God. Okay, so they're not in opposition. Now, that's hard for us to understand because when we're angry, we're not feeling love. We're feeling anger. Uh, and so most of, uh, our, most of our contradiction of the way we think that God, <coughs> let me say it this way, most of the way that we perceive emotion is based on our own internal contradictions. Like our own negative stuff flowing on in our own heart. We go, that God couldn't be like that because I'm all broken and emotional. And, blah, blah. and God goes, no, I'm like that, but perfect. So he is emotionally perfect. If he's angry, it's perfect. If he's merciful, it's perfect. If he's kind, it's perfect. If he's strong, it's perfect. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus... Um, Showing anger, showing tenderness, and his, he never sinned. He was in perfection while he was doing it. So I, I like to say it this way, that God is intention, intensely emotional and perfectly balanced all at once. God is. And so when we believe him to not be emotional, and we as, ascribe to him this idea of what the Stoics of old believed, they believe that God was emotionless. And that's not him at all. He's emotional to the fullest. And we see that in the scripture. We see his emotions on display. But there's certain ones where he speaks specifically about the way his heart moves regarding his people. And I would encourage you, become a student of the emotions of God. Another way to say it is learn his ways. Become a student of the emotions of God. So when you see a scripture that describes God's emotions... That is so insightful because we get to see what's he like. So here's, here's three that show God's emotions. Isaiah 63, verse 15. So we often will pray Isaiah 64, rend the heavens and come down. But that rend the heavens and come down comes out of this place where he's touching something. He's plucking a string in the heart of God. And he says this, he goes, look down from heaven, see from your habitation, holy and glorious. He goes, where is your zeal? We're, we're backslidden. Where's your zeal and your strength? 
Where is the yearning of your heart towards us? Where's your mercy? Are you restraining your emotions? He's, and what is he doing? The prophet is, is reaching his hand into the heart of God and he's going, I know you to be merciful. Come and save. I know you to be yearning for your people. Come and save. God, I know you'd be a God of justice. Come, release justice. What's he doing? He's plucking the strings of God's heart in this intercessory cry. And it lets us see, I know you're zealous. I know you're not apathetic. God, move. It's powerful. It's so powerful. Hosea 11.8. Here's the Lord speaking first person. He says, uh, and these, he's going to use, he's actually using, so He's using Ephraim for Israel. Um, I don't want to get into this specifically. This is the northern kingdoms. Uh, I don't want to go to explain it. Adma and Zeboim. He's actually using, um, he's using kind of pet names for the northern ten tribes. And the northern ten tribes of Israel, I know we haven't talked about this much, but they're in complete apostasy. They're worshiping idols. And the Lord, he says this about them. He says, how can I give you up? My heart is churning inside of me. My sympathy, my mercies are stirred for you. They're worshiping idols. They're worshiping demons. And, uh, and so, uh, I don't want to skip this. Uh, just say it real fast. So he raised up Hosea as a prophet to the northern kingdom and has him marry a harlot. To show his own emotions towards the nation. Hosea is God. Gomer is Israel. So intense. And it's from there he goes, I cannot give you up. I will not give you away. My heart is churning on the inside of me. My emotions are stirred. My mercies are moved for you. Listen. The idea that God is somehow ever forgetting his people, ever putting you at a distance, ever ignoring you, that is a false idea. It's a lie from the enemy. God's moving in his heart towards you. His heart is churning and stirred over you. John 17, 24, we see with Jesus. Father, I desire, I desire. You can live on that I desire. I'm serious. Like Just get on that I desire and walk around in the prayer room and realize you're the target of that. Jesus, Father, I desire him. That arrow is hitting you. That I desire is pointed right at you. That's a laser from Jesus at your heart. I desire Billy. I desire you. Put your name in there. I sit there under that. I go, oh, you want me. You have no idea. You have no idea. I crave and I long for you to be with me. I desire that they whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Because I am craving you to be with me, Billy. Oh, I, I, I'm not ready. He goes, no, I want you. I go, oh, I mean, I start feeling all the tremor. You know, that whole, that's the, I call it the Mufasa effect. Mufasa, ooh, say it again. Mufasa, ooh, I mean, it's just, it gives you that, sh- that tr- tremble, that little chill on your spine, like, oh my gosh. He's serious, he's fire, and he wants me. I'm the object of his affection. His emotions are all pointing at me. 
When you recognize this is our bridegroom God, oh man, woe to the guy that will speak negative against you. That's why I don't have to fight any of my fights. Another TikTok thing, I'll just tell you because it's fun. Right before I walked in here, I had a guy comment on me on TikTok. You don't know nothing. <laughs> it's so perfect. I was like, oh, I love this quote. I love this comment. I go, you are so right. <laughs> I know nothing. I am a product of the grace of God. Thank you so much. God bless you. Fist bump fire. Like, you're the man. <laughs> You know nothing. I go, I know. It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And he goes, I am, I am all into you. You who know nothing, I am into you. I am so on fire for you. His cravings, his emotions. So that's what I want you to get. I want you to understand God's emotions for us. His, I mean, his raging, fire, hungry, ravenous emotions. And they're pointed in desire towards you. Like that's, oh, that's everything. You don't have to like me. God already likes me. Like you don't have to like me. He likes me. (laughs) I mean, this is so good. I'm so free. It's just so good. He's craving me. I don't really like how you preach. That's okay. You don't know nothing. I know. God likes me. Oh my God. He's, Jesus is burning in fire for me. Oh my God. I guess I, I'm serious. I sit there and I, I lose my breath. I gasp over it. Because how, how powerful is his love? Song Song 8.6. Love is stronger than death. Jealousy is more, it's more severe. That's that, more cruel. More severe than the grave. His jealousy for me. You're going to mess with me? <clears throat> I feel bad for you. Do you have any idea whose girl I am? <laughs> you have any idea who I'm married to? That's why he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know who Chuck Norris's wife is, but I'm gar- guessing if she's walking through the mall... She's feeling pretty bold. Somebody says something to her. She's like, can I just get your picture? Sweet. Hand that over to husband. That dude's dead. I mean, there's just, there's got to be a, a confidence. That she's I feel that. I, I go, oh, he loves me. You have no idea how much he loves me. And if you say something negative to me, maybe, it's, maybe I can glean something off of it. But I don't have to attain to your affections. I already have his. Even in my brokenness, even in my weakness, even in my goof upness. All right. Um, okay, this is where I want to go. I got, I got seven minutes. All right. Matthew twenty-two, two. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. There's a swirl on two two twos right now. I think it's awesome. Yes. I think, it, I think it's about this. I think it's about the bridal paradigm of the kingdom. God's going to release it in fire. Amen. Uh, but here's what I want you to think about. Think about God. I got seven minutes to do this. I do this in an hour. Think about God who starts and ends the entire story of creation in a garden. We already talked about how the garden's not rows of cabbage and carrots beauty it's got 
I mean, it's got buildings. But the other thing that we don't realize about that garden is it was animate with the glory of God. What do I mean? I mean, everything was alive. I know grass is alive, but it was alive at a different level. You're seeing only right now the cursed version of grass. You're seeing the cursed version of flowers, the cursed version of fruit. What was it like in the garden pre-curse before death was on everything? What was that garden like? What, what was the fragrance? You know, you, you, you get a good flower and you, man, that's good. That's a cursed flower under the sentence of death. You've never smelt a flower yet. Because what those flowers were created as in creation, that was an animate with the glory of God flower, that fragrance, you're breathing the fragrance and glory is filling Adam's senses. I mean, he is getting overwhelmed with attributes of the knowledge of God through snorting a flower. Glory to God. Because God's, his whole person is fully uh, draped through the fibers of creation. You ever seen the, they have these transformation videos that show areas of the world that have come under revival and all of a sudden the crops explode and everything explodes and, and, they, and they bring out the, you know, the banana and the banana is this big and it's like that thick. You're like, what the heck? Yeah, these are our bananas. Guys, all that is is shows us what happens when the curse is lifted a little bit. What do you think the fruit was like in the garden before the curse? Adam's like walking around with a grape. He's like, oh, this grape. He bites it. It explodes all over him. He's completely covered in juice. And that juice is glory grape juice. And I'm telling you, it is another level that sends a shock through every portion of his body. The, the, the shock waves start in his taste buds, explode through his brain, fly down his spinal column, out his feet. And he's going, ah, this grape is awesome. Because everything is the glory of God in that place. The grass is moving. I mean, you know, you walk on good grass, it feels good in the summer. Soja, really good. This grass is like massaging the bottom of the feet. Hallelujah. Sunsets. I remember my wife and I, we went to Hawaii, went to Maui on our 10th anniversary. I literally about wrecked, pulling off the side of the road, trying to see the sunset that was happening because it looked like the sun exploded into the ocean. It looked like the, the, the sky was an explosion of the sun hitting the ocean. I was like, what, what? And people are just driving by. I was like, I've never, I can't even, I don't even know. And that's a cursed sunset. What's the sunset like before the curse? I mean, what was the explosion of colors when the sun would crest that Middle Eastern horizon? Fragrance, the flavor, the pleasure. The beauty, what was it? What, is that, what does that tell us? It tells us what God's like. He made you for pleasure. He made you for love. And what he does is he uses spiritual pleasure to communicate his love to us. So when you're experiencing pleasure in the presence of God, he's giving you a small taste to see that God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's drawing you into love by pleasure. 
That's why it's not wrong to sit in his presence and drink in his pleasure because we're drinking in his nature. In his presence is what? Fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures evermore. Do you think that's an accident? Do you think God's like, oh, I'm really good and it's accidental. This is pleasurable. I don't want you to stay here very much. No. He's like, I'm so pleasure filled. Come near me and drink of the river of my pleasures. He does that to introduce us to his nature and show us what love is. Being loved by the God who is love is the height of pleasure that is available in all creation. And our most exhilarating experiences with love are all behind a veil right now. What happens when he pulls back that veil and those eyes of fire look right into your eyes? What happens? Beloved, what are you living for? I'm not living for a million dollars. I'm not living to get big on TikTok. I'm living for those eyes. That's what I'm living for. What kind of life, what kind of life do you want me to live? A man could give all that he has for love and it would be utterly despised. Song of Solomon 8. Love is the very fire of God. It's the very centerpiece of his nature. And who he is as a bridegroom God. It's, it's meant to overwhelm us. You get to live this life intoxicated. You get to. Three more minutes. Can I get to three? Passionate, creative God. Kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. I said, consider a God who starts and ends the thing in a garden. <clears throat> we don't, we've so underestimated the garden. But the story of all creation is this. The father is preparing a wedding for his son. And what we don't realize is that story is so woven into the fiber of our human DNA. Our, our psyche and our makeup resonates with this story. We love this story. We love the story of the hero who sells himself into an environment to save the one that's at the bottom. The rich prince who sells out to rescue the maiden who's being mistreated. We love that story. How do I know we love that story? Because we tell it over and over and over. Look at your notes. Dudley Do-Right, Dastardly Whiplash. Ever see that one? It was a black and white. It was, a, it was Dudley Do-Right, Dastardly Whiplash. Black and white movie or cartoon or something, TV show. I believe it even starts without any, uh, before there was audio. And what it was, this villain, she takes the, the girl, he takes the girl, ties her to the train track, and Dudley Do-Right comes in and saves the day. Gets rid of Dastardly Whiplash, saves the day. We've been telling that story ever since we could tell stories. Popeye and Bluto. It's the exact same story. Different names, same story. I don't know how I watched so much Popeye growing up because it was the same story every single episode. Bluto is going to steal olive oil. He's going to beat up Popeye. 
Spinach is coming. Holy Ghost anointing comes on Popeye. He beats up Bluto. And I mean, there's even different iterations of Popeye and Bluto because it was Popeye against Bluto and it was Popeye against Brutus, I think. I think two dudes. Two different villains. Same guy. Snow White, Seven Dwarfs. Same thing. We get the, the prince comes in, rescues Snow White. Sleeping Beauty, I don't even know why they made Sleeping Beauty except for they must have made money on Snow White. Same story. Got to get a kiss from a prince. Stephen Sondheim, he's a composer. He wrote a, he wrote a play, Into the Woods. This is such an interesting play. And, and I think they have made a movie out of it in recent days, right? So all the characters from all the stories all bump into each other in the woods. They all are in the same story. And that's the point. Braveheart to Cinderella. It's the same story. The hero fighting for the virtue of the maiden who's been abused and mistreated by the villain. Why do we tell that story over and over and over? Because your heart is telling you that's you. That's you. I just love it. I see Braveheart a completely different way. I see that woman and she gets abused. And then I see him come in and he is on fire. He's got that sword hidden back there and he puts his hands over his head. And he reaches in and gets that double two-edged sword, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God, he holds that thing out and he starts taking out the enemies of love. Every one of these stories is the same story. Cinderella. This is what I want to tell you. Cinderella under the wicked stepmother, the two demonic sisters, putting an identity on her that's not true about her. Whispering in her ear shame. Whispering in her ear she's not good enough. Inadequacy and shame. Inadequacy and shame. Inadequacy and shame. Unloved, rejected. Unloved, rejected. Unloved, rejected. You're nothing. You're nothing. You're nothing. Live in the cellar, Cinderella. You're dark. Cinderella was because she tended the fireplace and she was dark. That's what that word means. She is the dark but lovely. The fairy godmother, Holy Spirit, shows up. Says, this is not who you are. You're beautiful. You look good and he likes you. You look good and he likes you. And she goes to the ball and she meets Prince Charming and we are so excited. Oh, Cinderella's gonna get out, out of this deal. And what happens? Midnight strikes, it gets dark in her mind. And she goes right back to thinking who she was before she understood love. And all of a sudden she's back in the cellar. Shame and inadequacy cowering her but the prince he's not going to let it go this way he's going to find her he's going to make sure he knows who she is 
He's going to fit that glass slipper on her and he is going to raise her from the ashes and seat her with himself. Why do we love that? Because it's you. It's you. It's me. I'm the Cinderella. You're the Cinderella. This is what we get to live our life as. You guys, you gotta get this. This is what we get to live our life as. That one that was just thrown away. Guys, I was so broken. I was a throwaway. I was, I was destined for hell. I was nothing. I was burned out. I'm not talking about a ministry. I'm saying I should never be in the position that I'm in. And I'm telling you, love. Love found me. And love is trying to find you. His love is trying to find you. You just let him put the glass slipper on your foot. Just realize that you're not made for the cellar. He raises us from ashes and seats us on a throne of glory. That's what Mary said when she's prophesying over her son, Jesus. This is our story. This is the gospel. This is our God. And it's how he loves you. Let me just pray for you. There's nothing better than your love, Jesus. There's nothing better than your love. Help us to quit blocking, quit fighting it off, Quit acting like it's not real. I want to live under the shower of your love. Live before your eyes. Stay before your gaze. Live in the revelation of love. You are a bridegroom God. You are jealous. You are zealous. You are desirous of me. Father, I ask, let all of us know the love of Christ that passes knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. Set your fiery seal on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.